Rachel Barenbaum, author of A Bend in the Stars. And today I have a super special guest, the one and only Zibby Owens. Yes, that Zibby Owens. I'm so excited to have her here today to celebrate the launch of her quarantine anthology, Moms Don't Have Time To. Zibby, in case you don't know her, has one of the absolute biggest hearts and biggest brains of anybody I know. And she has absolutely done more than anybody else in the past two years for the reading community, the writing community. I'm so, so grateful and I'm so excited to have her here today. Zibby, tell me, what is your anthology about? What is it? Thanks for that nice intro, Rachel. That was awesome. My anthology is a collection of 60 essays written by authors who have been on my podcast about five things that moms don't have time to do. Eat, read, work out, breathe, and have a sex. So like you, when I read a book, I go straight for the acknowledgements first, because I just think it tells you so much about the author and what you're about to jump into. And your acknowledgements are unbelievable, right? You have this huge community of people that have come together to make this book happen, to make your whole moms don't have time to community. And what it says is that really what you've built is much more than this book. It is a community. And I wanted to know if that was always your vision. I didn't have a vision. <laughs> I wish I had been strategic enough to have wanted all this to happen and then actually had it happen, but it, it didn't work that way. It's been all completely organic. I just decided to try starting a podcast one day. And since then, everything has just added on. It's I'm delighted. And along the way, I was like, yes, let's try to build up the community. But from the start, no, this all just unfolded the way it was supposed to, I guess. I think you're being modest. I think there was a little more planning in there at some point. But let's um, talk about the anthology in particular. How did that come together? It started as essays that I released in an online magazine during quarantine called We Found Time. Originally, I wanted it to be like the goop of moms and da 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 and have a whole website and launch it and be splashy and amazing. And I scrapped all those plans and had a friend from my very first job like design it on my own website. And I just threw the essays up. And then at the end of the quarantine or what I thought was the end, which of course never ends, I realized, I wonder how many essays I had. Maybe it could be a book. So I took them all and like put them all in a document. I was like, oh, this is a book. I just tried to sell this as a book. That's what happened. But how did you choose them? How did you approach authors to get them to start writing these essays for you? At the very beginning, I had a spreadsheet of every author who had been on my podcast. And then I had different ideas of what I would want them to write about based on either their books or something they had said to me in an interview that I had hung on to and would have liked to hear more about. And I reached out to everybody in like a mass email month, so long ago now. And a bunch of people just wrote back right away. Yes, I'm in whatever you're doing. I'm in. And those are the people who basically ended up in the, in the first book. And then how did you shape those essays as they started coming in into the collection? I worked with amazing editors. In fact, Claire Gibson, who wrote Beyond the Point, she was someone who we sat at my kitchen table one day and uh, hashed out this whole concept together. And so she was instrumental, particularly in the beginning, and also Alyssa Altman, who I adore. So the two of them helped me get this all off the ground, edited the first batch of essays. And then over time, I ended up hiring a professional like magazine editor when I thought this was going to be a big magazine uh, named Carolyn Mernick and who has also been on my podcast. So all three of them were on the podcast. They were authors, they were writers, editors, and we did it all together. Amazing. So I love that you have this army of helpers and one of your biggest skills seems to be your ability to figure out where you need help 
right? And then going out and finding that help. So can you give her, give me some advice? Like, how do you do that? I was actually thinking I am not good at that at all. Um, (laughs) uh, I don't know. I actually veer in the other direction where I'm like, I can just do it all myself. I can do it. I can like build my website and I can upload the episodes and I can do it. I can just do it and it'll be faster. And like, I don't want to have to, you know, employ, I don't know. So I actually have been struggling with, you know, outsourcing, but now I found some amazing people who are way smarter than I am, who are super talented, who are helping me. And so I don't know. It's just when I run out of time in the day, I have to turn to other people. (laughs) (laughs) So, of course, all the proceeds uh, for this book are being donated to the Susan Felice Owens Fund. Can you talk about that? Sure. My mother-in-law and grandmother-in-law passed away from COVID over the summer within six weeks of each other. And my mother-in-law's illness was particularly harrowing and terrible. And she was only 53 and, sorry, 63 and full of life. And um, she should not have died. Anyway, um, after I went through all that, I wanted to give back in some way and I'm on the board of the Mount Sinai health system. So I decided to start a fund to help develop a vaccine at the time. There were no vaccines at all since it started, obviously Moderna and everything has come out. Um, but Mount Sinai is working on a low cost vaccine, single dose through the nose, uh, which can be stored at higher temperatures and which will be great, but particularly for third world countries. So they are doing that based on a flu vaccine model, even like a chicken flu. I don't even know. Anyway, they're doing great things and I'm donating all the proceeds of my book and the fundraiser on uh, Tuesday, the 16th at 7 PM. All those proceeds are going to go to help find ways to protect the people in the world. I'm so sorry for your loss. And um, as one of your followers and fans, right, and a part of your community, I definitely followed all of your posts and was so impressed by just how open you are. Um, And I think that so many of your followers have responded to that. Can you talk about how the responses you've gotten to your being so open? Yes. um, I was amazed at the outpouring of support. I I just started posting about it because I didn't know how not like I've always used writing as I feel like you have, but I've always used writing as like a way to deal with myself and my life and like get things out. And um, it started as just my way of talking about it. And then it became a way to update the many people who love Susan and Kyle and Stephanie, his sister on Instagram. But honestly, like there were times when the night Susan was being airlifted from one hospital to another, where I was just like, okay, we all have to get together and think good thoughts right now. I don't care who you pray to or whatever, just like put it out in the universe and like, let's get her there. So I feel like I had all these people all over the world, like holding their breath with me as she flew overhead and then she made it and we were all like celebrating and it's just been amazing. So it, I feel like a lot of people, when they talk to me or like, they, they feel like they know me that we're best friends already. And in truth, it's true in a way, because I am sharing the way I would with a close friend with a lot of people, um, which helps me, but I think ultimately helps them too, because we're all going through so much stuff these days. So. Yes. But a lot of people say that we're going through it together, but they're really alone. And you actually are bringing a community together and people together. And um, I know we all appreciate it. I really appreciate it for sure. Um, I find it interesting that you, um, I've seen that you call yourself an intermediary, right? Um, I was wondering if you could talk about that role, how you see yourself, why that label? Um, 
I, I do. I view myself as someone who can get one message to someone else. You know, I, I'm thinking about writing a book called The Book Messenger because I feel like I'm taking these books and trying to deliver them to the people who need them. And I think I do that because books for me have been salvation and so helpful no matter what I've been going through. Um, not the actual content, but even the ability to fall into a book when I need it the most. So the right book at the right time is life-changing. And if I can help even just like one person find a book that maybe they didn't know about and read it and be like, oh my gosh, I feel understood. And I feel so much better. I feel less alone. Like that is such a privilege that I can help in that relationship. So I feel like I'm just trying to get the word to the right people, like ferry it along. <laughs> But not just books too. I mean, these essays, right? And the writers that you brought together to do this, there was a, a larger message of we're not really in this alone. Yes. I mean, that's what I read as you being the intermediary for that. Yes. So thank you for that. Um, if you could go back to your uh, section B Harvard <laughs> Business School shop. Right? Do I have to? I Do I have, have to go B back here. there? Okay, fine. I'm back there in my head. <laughs> <I know. laughs> I know. If you go back there and you, you know, could tell yourself that you were going to be doing this today, um, that you would be starting Moms Don't Have Time To, what do you think you would have said? You know, it's so funny. I took a class at, in my second year of school, which was about like identifying your career or something ridiculous that I thought would be an easy class and was actually great. But I was like, okay, I have these skills, but there is no answer to what job these skills lead to. I'm like, these are the things I feel like I'm good at. But like everyone else is like, ah, oh, great, McKinsey's for me. And I'm like, um, love psychology. I love to listen. I love to write. I love to read. I like talking to people. I feel like I understand people without them having to say anything. Like, I don't know. And everyone was just like shaking. Their it's like, yeah, beats me. You know? So I was like, all right, well. Um, but at the time I did, um, I was doing a lot of writing. So um I was writing for the Harvest paper and a lot of people on campus knew me as someone who wrote and shared really openly because at the time I had just um, lost my best friend on 9-11. So in a way, the sharing part, I don't think would surprise me or anybody, but you know, the whole mission of HBS, which they drill into your head is to educate leaders who make a difference in the world. And I actually think about that often as I do what I do, because I'm just trying to make a little difference. I can't, you know, cure COVID. I can't do all these big, important things, but this is what I can do. So I'm just trying. So one of the questions that I am dying to ask you is that you've seen, I know, woo, get ready for this one. Yeah. <laughs> you've spoken to so many authors. You've seen so many books launch. What advice do you have for authors? Um, harness your community as much as you can. I mean, word of mouth, I still think is the most important Instagram people spreading the word. Um, you don't have to have a top notch publicist or like all the trappings, like books that are meant to get out there, find their audience. And it doesn't have to be on day one and it doesn't have to be a bestseller. It can be the most important book in a person's life. And how awesome is that? So I would say, you know, someone asked me at the beginning, like, well, what are your goals with this book? Are you, you know, are you trying to make the list? Are you trying to do this? And I was like, no, I'm not trying to do those things. I'm just, I want this out there because I know it's going to help people. And that's my goal. So I guess the advice would be figure out your goal. What, what do you, what do you want for your book? And then there are different strategies you can actually follow. Whether or not you can get those goals is another thing, but at least you can try um, if you have a plan. 
terms of brand managing, um, you tell the story, I think it was in the introduction where um, you were doing these Instagram live feeds, right? And you're doing a bunch of them every day. And um, they were really helping us, the writers, right? And the readers, um, and you were connecting with us, but someone said to you, maybe you should stop doing this because you're not building your followers. And your response was, but that's not what it's about. And I felt like that really encapsulated your approach. Could you talk about that? It's so true. Actually, for a while, I turned my account private because I was like, I don't know, would I want this person following me down the street? <laughs> Why are they now like watching me curl up with my dog on my bed? I don't know. It's so the follower culture is just so bizarre. But along the way, I've had people tell me not to do almost everything that I'm doing. Change the name. Don't do this type of podcast. Don't release it this often. Don't include author advice at the end. Don't like, don't, don't, don't on and on. Don't, stop doing this pivot to this. And ultimately I don't have a roadmap, but I have a very strong conviction inside of like what I believe is right. So I just keep guiding myself by that. And sometimes I'm wrong. Like I've tried to start different things that have not worked. And I'm like, Boop, boop. Okay. You know what? I'm not the one to start a book subscription service. Can <laughs> I just like, I'm not going to start kids do have time the podcast because that's just not working out. So I've had a lot of things that have not worked out, but my approach more, I'm just going to like throw it up and try it. And if people say, you know, nobody cares, like the beginning, I was like, I feel like this should be a show. Like people want to hear this. And people I talked to were like, nobody cares what, you know, what do, what do authors have to say? I'm like, what? <laughs> I care. So anyway, people will just, I don't, it isn't about followers. It's about connection and changing anyone's life is a gift. And I do this to make an impact on not a wide number of people, but a big impact on whoever wants to benefit from it. I can't please everybody. Haters going to hate, you know, so I do what I can. Well said, well said. So for people buying and reading your anthology, what do you want them to take away? I want them to remember that you don't have to sit down and read an 800 page novel to feel like you're reading, that you can pick up a book like mine and read an essay a night and still get that dose of literary infusion that will make you sort of whets your appetite for the whole book. And that books can easily still be a part of your everyday life and you don't have to finish every book and you don't have to read it all on a certain timeline, but having a relationship with books is a really, really important one and an easy one and a life-changing one that should still be on the menu of things that you do in your daily life, the way brushing your teeth or checking Instagram has become. So before we sign off, I also want to ask you, um, what do you want people to be asking you right now and about this book? I would love them to be talking about the authors. I'd love them to go and buy those authors' books and get, you know, pick maybe three of the essays and, and go buy those books too and follow those authors and get to know them. Um, I'd like to inspire them to write themselves. I'd like to have them listen to my podcast <laughs> and just remember that we're, you know, we are not alone. And that one of the perks of this whole thing, if you can have a perk of a bad situation is I feel the world has actually gotten smaller and you can find your people. They might not be right in front of you and they might not be the moms in your kid's preschool. No offense to those moms. I love all those moms, but like that your people might be all over the globe and you might as well tap into them. And a book is sort of a universal language. So start there. Fantastic. And you have more books coming. Yes. 
So I think my next book is uh, Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. <laughs> so that's coming out in November. And that is on another five things moms don't have time to do. Sleep, get sick, see friends, write, and lose weight. And those essays are amazing. They're already all done. They're amazing. Like Lily King wrote this amazing essay. And I was like, I believe like Lily King's essay. It's like the file name is for Zibby. It's like amazing. So um, I'm really excited about the quality of the authors and the pieces. And that'll be great. And then in March, tentatively March, uh, I have a children's book coming out with Penguin Random House's imprint called Flamingo. The imprint's called Flamingo. The book is called Princess Charming. And then there'll be a second Princess Charming installment after that. And uh, yeah, and then I want to write this memoir, this book messenger memoir, but I, I haven't found the time. <laughs> oh my God, if anybody can find the time, it's you. I have faith. I can barely keep up with you as it is. Zibby, thank you so much. Congratulations on Moms Don't Have Time To. I'm so, so excited. May you sell many, many copies. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. It's all good.